0: This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on! Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now your best shout ever. That was a good shout. Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each, Herod intending to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. That night, before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to a senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from the Jewish leaders and uh, had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came and opened it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. (laughs) You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what had happened, he said. And then he went to another place. Thank you,
1: Ryan. Come on, give God a hand of praise for the Bible. You can be seated. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you coming out on the first day of the year. I believe it's going to be good. I've been really just in my heart praying about what to share and what would be good for us as a house and good for us as a group of people on the corner here. And uh, probably the last two weeks, just really been mulling over what to say today and the weeks ahead. And this is what I landed on. Jesus said what? And it kind of came out of thinking of, Everybody seems to have opinions about God, opinions about Jesus, opinions about culture, opinions about gender, sexuality, uh, marriage, personal preferences. And really the question of all Christians is, this may sound rude, I don't mean to sound rude. It really doesn't matter what we think. But it's what he thinks that matters. And, and the problem of Christianity is when we start wanting God to think like we think rather than us think like he thinks. And we're 2,000 years removed from what he said. So if we're not careful, we can believe that what he thinks is very archaic to where we are in this life. As if the eternal God didn't think forward when he wrote the word. And suddenly the Bible's just a bunch of stories of a man named Jesus. And so... I felt like what we would do over the next weeks ahead is just go to the words of Jesus and just kind of check our life, especially at the new year, it's a good time to just look back and check your life, you know, and it's what we do, we make resolutions, I'm too fat, I'm going to lose weight, I'm broke, I'm going to get out of debt, we kind of just use the new year to sort of sync up that, you know, that plumb line of are we on track for where we need to be, and my best guess of Jesus is that His words are our plumb line, that we read them and we ask ourselves, are we close to where He is or are we far away from where He is? And so I just want to take as long as it takes to just really go through this, Jesus said what? Like the things that He said that just are so far off from the life that we live here on planet earth, the things we hear on the news, the things the culture presents to us, Politics, uh, everything that's out there, that we come back to this. So this is is the fairness that I put out there, and, and to myself too. If we read something that's contrary to what we think is real, or contrary to what we perceive to be true, that we will come back to what Jesus said, rather than trying to change what He said, so that I can continue to believe what I believe. And so that's what we're going to do, so myself included, if we read things that are, man, the way I think versus the way Jesus thinks, rather than twisting what he thinks to fit me, that I'll just come to a place to go, well, I'm, and this is a hard thing, especially for a human, I'm wrong and he's right. And sometimes it's just hard to say you're wrong, especially when everybody around you believes it or the world believes it or the majority believe it. I think it may be why Jesus said that, You know His way is narrow, and I think maybe the reason is is because the further along we get with Christianity and culture and the further apart they get, you you suddenly realize that if you believe half of what Jesus says, you're on a really narrow road. that can be really lonely. We don't use the word lonely today. We use words like you're a bigot, you're a homophobe, you're a racist, you're whatever. Because anytime we want to talk about what Jesus said, We can get it so narrow that the road road kind of puts you in a category where you won't fit. uh, Where you won't fit with the majority of what people say. So here's my thought. What you think about Jesus, who he is and what he says, matters greatly. And here's why. It matters greatly because Jesus is interested in what you think about him. So that in the room, if we just kind of put some topics on the wall, well, what what do you think about sexuality? What do you think about drinking? What do you think about divorce? What do you think, you know, religious topics? If we put them on the wall, we would probably come up with a litany of opinions under every topic, depending on how we were raised, depending on how we lived, depending on what mama told me, depending on what my church leaders tell me. We would just line it up. But when we come to what we think matters, but the reason it matters is it matters to Jesus. In other words, Jesus cares how you think about him. So that he's not, here's the strange thing, he's not just after you loving him and going, oh, I just love him, and then you keep living any way you want. He cares how you think about him. It concerns him. I would say most, normal humans. We care what people think about us. Some people may say, I don't really care what anybody thinks. But I mean, in reality, we do care what people think about us. Look at this. Now, the scripture that Ryan read was a story of Peter. It was a story of Peter in a predicament of life where some things shifted. But I want to go before the story to pick up something that Jesus said to Peter before we ever get to the story where he's locked up in prison. So it's going to be several years prior, before Peter goes to prison, Jesus has a conversation with Peter that I think may make the story Ryan read a lot more clear of understanding what went on in this story when he's in jail. Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples... Here's what I meant by Jesus cares. Who do people say the son of man is? So he's asking them, tell me me the opinion of everybody in this town about me. Tell me what they think about me. And this is what they answer. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah. And some people say you're Jeremiah the prophet. So here's what we know. Everybody can have an opinion of Jesus... Even if the opinions are wrong, they still hold to them as if they're true. I think you're Elijah. But that's what I think. I think you're Jeremiah. I think you're John the Baptist. Everybody's got an opinion of him. Even though they're wrong, they still have opinions. So if we're not careful, we will let people's opinions become what real truth is. When it's nothing more than a wrong opinion, that somehow the majority of people believed what was wrong so long that it did become truth. And so Jesus doesn't really say anything. He doesn't really say, eh, you're all wrong. Maybe he knows that everybody's gonna have an opinion about him, and everybody's opinion is their own opinion. He really doesn't say, you guys are just stupid, that's dumb. He just moves on to something deeper. And the thing he moves on to deeper is not what everybody else believes about me, but let's bring it home. What about you? Who do you say that I am? Not the preacher, not your mother, not your grandparents, not the Baptist, not the Methodist, not anybody else. Jesus comes to this very personal, tell me what you think about me. It matters. So Peter answers, well, who do you say I am? You're the Messiah, The son of the living God. So this is the same guy that Ryan read about. He's having a conversation with Jesus and he answers. I I don't know. he, He got the right answer. So ding, ding, ding. He's the smartest guy on the mountain at this moment. You're the son of the living God. And then Jesus says something profound. Blessed are you, Simon. Well, here's my take on that. In other words, when you think right about Jesus, your life is blessed. Meaning you can have a lot of thoughts about him. You can have a lot of religious ideas about him. But your life is still messed up. Your life is still screwed up. Nothing's going right. But you know, well, he's Jesus. He's that guy that died for me that we celebrate on Easter. He's that dude. But the reality is when you know who he is, it brings a blessing to your life. I know who Jesus is. You're the son of the living God. Jesus says, oh, dude, you're blessed because of that. Then he takes it a little deeper. He said, well, you you didn't really get this on your own. God of heaven revealed it to you, and then the weirdest phrase to me, my opinion, the weirdest phrase in the Gospels, because it launches us out of a present moment and it shoots us into the future. So Jesus, who's in the moment, is going to give us a back-to-the-future look into the future. And this is what he said, I'll tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I'll build my church. Now his church doesn't even exist yet. There's nothing even called the church. There's nothing they can say, oh, church, Baptist, yeah, I'm Baptist. I've been going there. My mother went there. My parents are buried there. Oh, church, Methodist, yeah, grew up a Methodist, Pentecostal, Catholic. What are you? We even say, what are you? Where do you go? This didn't even exist yet. But Jesus looks into the future and says how people think about me is going to really make the difference of how I build my church. And then he starts talking. Now here's where it gets weird. Because when he starts talking about church, he's talking about this thing right here. People who believe in him, who gather together to worship him, who who call him savior, that's the church. But then he says this weird statement. And all the powers of hell will not be able to conquer it. All the powers of hell won't be able to conquer it. In a moment of talking to a guy about who do you think I am, Jesus gives us insight to what he thinks about this thing right now we call church. We label it. We denominationalize it. We tell you whether you can wear makeup or no makeup or dresses or no dresses or you can cuss or you can drink or you can't drink. And if you don't drink, you need to sign something to say you do. And if you do, you better hide it. Don't let anybody know. You only get six cuss words a month. Don't use them all. Don't cuss any. Don't smoke cigarettes. Don't chew tobacco. Don't watch movies. Watch some movies. God will give you PG, but don't watch PG-13. You Don't watch an R if you do. Don't tell your grandmother. I mean, all those... All those things that we do that we call church. And then it's that, it's that place I go on Sunday to kind of go, Yay, God, thank you for not killing me. I guess I owe you. I guess I should come at least a couple of times a year just to say thanks. I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to check the box. I gave some money. I gave a few bucks. I, I went to church. I feel better about myself. That is completely different to what he's talking about here. Because what he's talking about here is all the powers of another world, all the powers with other beings, all the powers out there in the world that exist will never, ever be able to overcome this thing that I'm going to build called my church. Nothing will overcome it. So here's what I came to about Jesus said what? This is what he said. Here's the thought. It stretches you a mite. Jesus thinks the church is far greater than a mere weekly religious gathering. It's far greater than a religious gathering. I know 2,000 years removed from this saying of Jesus, we've done really well to do religious gatherings. We give titles and ties and suits and dresses and We do all kind of programs, and we we crunch it all in in about an hour worth of time, and we get the guilt off of our shoulders, and we give some money, so "Eh, maybe God will help my life if I give Him some. And, And we do really well for this religious service. And if you come once a month, you're really religious. If you come more than once a month, you're crazy religious. If you come twice a year, well, you're religious enough that at least you acknowledge He's there. But the reasoning of what we see happening in the world is that the church has been removed from being a group of people who possess crazy abilities of power into a group of people who just do religious things to get the guilt off of their shoulders. And we miss who we really are. We miss what this whole thing is about. We miss that this whole thing called church is that we were to be making an impact in the very world in which we live. But yet at the same time, good luck if I come more than twice a month. I'm too busy. I got too much going on. And I understand that. I understand we live a busy life. But when I come to the understanding that the church is more than just come together with a group of people to sing some songs about God, and I realize that that we are a group of people who possess supernatural power. Like literally, we can, here's the strange thought, we can literally shift the way a town operates off of literally coming together to see what God can do powerful-wise. So let's jump into the story because that mountaintop of I'm going to build my church and my church nothing of any other realm, will be able to conquer it. So fast forward two years. Peter's heard this. Peter's had the moment of the revelation. Peter's heard the church is this crazy thing that Jesus is going to build, and nothing of hell can do it. And now we wind up, it either works or it doesn't. Because verse 5 of Acts 12 says, Peter was kept in prison. That's that moment where nothing works. It's that moment where your life sucks. It's that moment where everything is going to pot. It's that moment where you got the bad news. It's the moment the divorce papers were filed. It's the moment the doctor said you're sick. It's the moment you gave the middle finger to church. I'm out of here, baby. I don't trust preachers. I don't trust God. I don't I didn't even need that stuff. I've been hurt. I've been mad. My ex did this to me. They did that to me. It's the prison moment. I will say that most of us in this room have been in that first phrase with the comma. We've all hit things that have kind of just thrown us for a loop. Things that took our breath away. Things that caught us by surprise. We woke up and we didn't expect it would happen. We woke up and we got bad news and we thought, what in the hell went on? I, did, I thought I served God. I thought, God, where, where are you, God? It's that prison moment. It's that my life is terrible. It's, it's where's God when I need Him. It's I don't understand. I thought He was so big. Tell me why. If God is who He says to you, that's probably everything going through His mind. But then there's a comma, and I put it in yellow. Come on, say, but the church. But the church. I was in prison. My marriage was falling apart. My health was falling apart. It's that phrase, but the church, that sets the entire story in another narrative. It's that but the church that tells me it's more than a religious gathering. It's more than a Sunday service. There's a group of people that possess power that are about to do something, to literally shake something so powerful that you you can't even fathom what's about to happen. And it's that but the church moment. And yet, rather than but the church being connected to power, but the church being connected to my life is different because of the church. The church, but the church is connected to, but the church hurt me. But the church is just a bunch of hypocrites. But the church is just a bunch of religious people. But in this story where Jesus is trying to tie the two together, Peter, hell will never overcome it. Peter, then why am I in hell right now? Why is everything going bad? Why is nothing working for me? And what Jesus does is he hops, the, he hops the amount of time and we get a little comma in the narrative and the commas but the church. And the church is doing something very powerful. They're praying earnestly to God for him. Who would have ever thought that the church could change a nation? Who would have ever thought that we had so much power we could change the route of where Douglasville is heading who would have ever thought we could pray and change the nation of where we're headed change our schools change the place I work just because a group of people got together and decided we could pray and maybe the reason we're praying is not because we're religious but because we believe that we're a conglomeration of power that when we come together it changes things it literally changes. You heard what Gar said is he gave a testimony of a baby born three months early. At two pounds at best, probably not going to live. But he had every person that was a believer in God praying and speaking life. And you heard now it's just a bouncing baby blob, blob of a baby. I don't know why babies get to be fat and cute, but adults don't. I don't know. Maybe that's another day. But they're praying earnestly. He said, "Bring." The night before Herod was going to bring in a trial, Peter's sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and a sentry's guard stood at the entrance. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side, woke him up, "Quick, get up!" And the chains fall off Peter's wrist. The chains didn't fall off Peter's wrist because Peter's in there going, "Oh God, just get the chains off my wrist. My life's terrible." He's asleep. He has no expectation. He has no expectation at all that what God told him on the mountain could be a reality. He's he's a believer that is reckoned. It is what it is. Deal with it. I have no expectation that anything can happen. This is my life. Deal with it. It is what it is. And there's a group of people who aren't even in the same geographical location as him who gather together and go, God, man, do something. And in that moment where that group of people, and I I guarantee you they don't have their act together. God, do something. Can you imagine this group of people? God, man, Peter's in jail. Do something. And Peter's just there... And it's God. This is heaven. Hey. Hey, yeah, what do you want? Yeah, go get me Clarence. Clarence? That same angel that was on that? Yeah, get him. He's got his wings now. Get him. Clarence comes over. What do you want? I got my wings. I got another job for you. Yeah, got another job. It's not had nothing to do with George. No, this is not George. I want you to go down there to that guy in prison. I want you to wake him up. I want you to walk him out. And God picks an angel in heaven. Here's what's weird because a group of people prayed, God commissioned one of his angels to break through the realm of the supernatural and enter the realm of the natural to do something unnatural. Because the church was supernatural. That's weird. So God, do something. God's like, okay, go get him. So the angel goes down. Hey, get up, get up. Get up, get dressed. get dressed, Changes, boom, fall off of him. Next verse, it gets worse than this. It'll give you great hope. The angel not only shows up, but chit-chats with him. Get dressed. I don't know why he was naked, only men. I don't know. (laughs) Get dressed and put on your sandals. Now put on your coat and follow me. The angel ordered it. So Peter left his cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't even realize it was actually happening. This is the same dude that was told... My church is so supernatural, the powers of hell will never overcome it. Is sitting in the middle of a prison with it is what it is because he can't bring his mind to realize what Jesus said is true. And another group of people decide, well, let's just try it. They try it. An angel shows up. The whole thing happens boom. And he walks out, and the whole time he's walking out, he's like, Oh, dude, I I just can't believe it's really happening. I can't even believe it's really happening. You walked with him. You're one of his closest dudes. You're the dude he said he would build his church on because of the revelation of who he was. And you can't even believe it's really happening? What's wrong with you, Peter? And I would say today to myself included, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with us that we've 2,000 years, we've turned into a bunch of religious people that don't even believe anything will happen? We we shut our churches down two years ago to honor the government. Peace to the government. I'll do my part to keep COVID from killing us all. But after a while, I started going, wait a minute. I thought we were a supernatural, overcoming, overwhelming. We have the power of God. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And if no weapon formed against me will prosper and all the powers of hell can't overcome me, we're opening up the doors. You want to be vaccinated? Great. You don't? Great. You want to wear a mask? Great. Because none of that will ever stop the power of God. None of it. And and you can say, okay, that's great, but do you really believe it? it will happen? Uh, somebody gave me a t shirt today as a Christmas gift. It's a great Christmas gift. I was going to wear it, and my wife said, No, don't. And so I listened to her, but I feel like it's, it should have been worn because it pretty much says what I believe. Trust God, not the government. There is a power, there is a power that's been given to us that is greater than anything you could ever know. And the guy's walking in it and still can't bring himself to believe it's true. That's how powerful the brain is. The devil was not the problem. The problem was in his head. I told you nothing could overcome you. And yet there you sit with a mentality it is what it is. And even when I break in and answer the prayer, you still can't bring your brain to fathom that there's another world that's working for you. Well, it gets better. Listen to this. Here's the thought. The church is an accumulation of real spiritual power released through the act of prayer when you understand we're not just a bunch of religious people who believe in Jesus who sing some songs and give some money but we're a gathering of power when we walk in the door as strange as we are people who barely believe with people who really believe it doesn't matter the entrance is do you believe people who believe that got a lot of problems probably need therapy and people who Don't need much at all. It doesn't matter. When we're together, there's power. People that have a load of problems and people who fake it like they don't. Doesn't matter. If you believe, we possess power. But because that is true, when we gather together, we're tired, skeptical, critical, bored, late, absent, And we want to know why there's no power. Why the world's taking over. Why so many people are sick. Why cities are overrun, overran with sin. Why families are falling apart. My belief, it's just my belief, an opinion of course. I don't believe it's because the devil's so big. I believe it's because the church has gotten so weak. And it's because the church is weak and anemic and religious... That we don't see lives changed. Yet, to take the pressure off of us, we blame it on the devil. Well, the devil's just, oh, God, he's after me, preacher. Oh, God, he's coming after me hard. The gates of hell will not overcome or overwhelm you when you're part of God's people. But if the people I'm part of are anemic, mad, bitter, gossipy, angry, and hypocritical, then maybe I don't see the power I'm supposed to see. And because maybe most Christians don't really pray believing they have power, they pray believing they're a victim. They pray from a I've already lost mentality. They pray from a the devil's so big mentality rather than praying from a mentality of power. Did it, watch, it sounds egotistical, I don't mean it that way, but when we pray, things happen. They just happen. I can't explain it, I don't even need to explain it. All I need to know is Jesus said the church had power, and if the church has power and I'm part of a church, I can expect power. I don't know at what time the angel's showing up, I don't know how he's going to get you out, but I'm going to pray like God knows what to do. And so we have to come the way we have to shift how we think. It's not a religious service. It's a gathering of power. So if you're hurting, best place to be is here. You're miserable, best place to be is here. You're falling apart, welcome aboard. This is the best place for you to be. I didn't even want to be here today. Good, glad you're here. It's the best place for you to be. Because you're in a realm of power. You're in a place where the energy of God is in the room. And when His presence is in the room, no weapon formed against you can prosper. So I have to rethink church. And I have to ask myself, okay, is this the way believers is? I, I don't want to just become another religious service. I, and I'm really kind of trying to be true to myself. Like I, I don't want to just come do a service. I just get tired of that. I want to come and see your work. I want to believe you're going to move. I want to hear testimonies of what you're doing. I want to see your power work. I just don't want to sit here and hear myself preach. I can do that on YouTube. I mean, I think I'm good at it, but I don't want to just sit there and have to go, well, let's listen to myself on YouTube. I want to see God do something. I want to see him work. Next verse, it gets even better. When Peter finally realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where they were gathered for prayer. So obviously, they got something going on that they understand that they can accomplish things by being together. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. I, I know she was blonde. Here's how I know she didn't even open the door. It's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's Peter. Up oh, and left. this crack. Hey, come on in. No. She runs off, doesn't even open the door. Runs back to all of the praying people. Peter's standing at the door. And the praying people who are so filled with faith. You're out of your mind. This ought to give all of us great hope. These people lived at the same time Jesus lived, and they still don't get it. You're out of your mind. In other words, Jesus, oh God, with power, send the angel to get Peter out of the prison. And then Peter shows up. Oh, God, y'all are crazy. It can't be him. Like, like you're praying for things you don't even... Which tells me this. How easy it is to be religious but expect nothing. I believe the church is religious but we expect nothing. And when we get it, we're like Ooh, shocked. Because it's so far out of the ordinary that when it happens, we're shocked. We just, we're astonished. When I believe it's supposed to be the natural daily thing supernatural all the time prayers being answered all the time bodies being healed all the time anxieties leaving all the time addictions all the time but when the people who are part of the plan get skeptical and lazy and tired and religious then we're just astonished when something happens and then when it happens we're just critical i can't believe it happened to them and not me God's probably mad at me trying to teach me a lesson. Because we're so religious that we're good at being religious, but we have zero expectation for power. And I think God wants to change this on the corner. My heart has been, God, please, do not let me go through 2022 doing religious services and having zero expectation of you showing up. You can show up, you can interrupt my preaching, you can interrupt the music, I don't care. I just don't want to die being religious and having zero expectation that you'll do anything. I don't want to have to go to Starbucks to get myself excited to get away. I want to come here and get excited because, dear God, I don't know what God's going to do today. Well, that's what was going on. There were a group of people that were praying for things to happen, but they really didn't believe it would happen. Yeah. But this is what it says next verse. It just gets really interesting. Peter kept knocking, and when he opened the door, they saw him, and they were astonished. So Peter motioned with his hand Shut up, be quiet. I mean, they're, they're looking for him. I thought, yeah, yeah, Peter. Like that, yay, yay, Peter. No, no, shh, sh- I'm not even supposed to be out. Be, the angel's probably sitting behind him going, oh, shh, shh. nobody knows you're out. So he tells them, be quiet. Man, they can't know that I've escaped. They can't know that I got out. I was, about to, I was about to get it tomorrow. But your prayers, now watch what he says. Peter motioned with his hands, said be quiet, and then he described, I love it. He starts describing how God got him out of the hole he was in. In other words, let me tell you, whispering, what just happened?
0: Amen.
1: I was asleep. This guy behind me, what's your name? Clarence. <laughs> Clarence elbows me in the rib, tells me to get up, get dressed, get my shoes and coat on, we're leaving. Chains fell off, I walked out the door. I knocked. Rhoda didn't even open the door. But here I am, it's the real me, poke my belly, I'm not a ghost. P.S., tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. And in that moment, it shows me how Jesus thinks about the church. We are to be a place that celebrates testimonies of the power of God. Here's the next thought. The church is a place of testimony where we encourage and strengthen each other. But 2,000 years later, it's not a place where we encourage you. It's a place where people gossip. It's a place where people are critical. It's a place where people say, I can't dig you that way. But the beauty of the church is every person that's broken, every person in a mess, every person that has a problem, this is the best place for you to be. Because it's in this place of your brokenness where somebody walks in and says, let me tell you, Sam's going to give a testimony next week. When he begins to tell you what God has done for him, your soul will just leap. Because something happens when you hear what God is doing in the lives of other people. It begins to convince you maybe he is real. Maybe he does answer prayer. Well, if he could do it for them, he might could do it for me. But uh, we don't need you testifying. We need you to sit quietly, give your money, sing the songs, and help in the nursery. But don't dare stand up and start testifying. Because it would release power. It would release excitement and faith. So here's a guy that shows up and knocks on the door and says, "I got to take what God did for me. Go tell them. I need them to know. Watch. I need them to know this is not just a religious gathering. That supernatural things happen when God's people. Because it reminded me what He said: the gates of hell can't overcome this thing. So the church is to be a place of testimony. I don't know how we work it out. I didn't know how we would work communion. I didn't know how we would work prayer. But I felt like the Lord spoke to me this year, 2022. It's time to release testimonies. It's time to hear what God's doing in people's lives. It's time to know He's an alive God. He's not some dead dude that's sitting up there with a long beard and a cane about to kill you. He's trying to break into this world to accomplish His goals, to accomplish His kingdom. And He's waiting on us to believe it's more than a dream, it's a reality. I'm going to back that up. You should, amen. And here we sit, and God's trying to break in to let us know that it's more than just a dream. It's a reality. That was better. I just felt like that was better than one amen. He really is trying to break in. God is up in heaven, and we're like, God, just do something. He's like, Mark, I'm trying, but you won't open your mind or let me do it. You always are too busy. You always have excuses. It's always somebody's fault. I'd love to break in. But even when I do, you're too skeptical to believe it. I will say this. The church has become brilliant at skepticism. We are brilliant. Even if there's a miracle, probably faked it. Even if there's a healing, he probably wasn't sick anyway. They probably just faked it all to put it on Instagram. Because we're, we're more skeptical then we are faithful. All right, here's the conclusion. It's, this is going to sting a bit, but it just is how Jesus thinks about the church. This is in 2 Corinthians. It's weird, but... It says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles where we can comfort people in trouble. It's the whole point of coming together. The whole point of coming together is people have trouble and they overcame the trouble so they could help other people in trouble. If you ever think we're going to get to a point where this room is full of people with no trouble, then we're dying. Because the moment troubled people stop coming in, we die off. So the whole goal is troubled people come in, Troubled people get healed. The healed troubled people help the troubled people coming in to get healed to help other troubled people. And the wheel just keeps on going. So if you're in trouble today, welcome home. If you're in trouble today, welcome to the family. We all have it. We've all been in it. We've all conquered it. Some of us are perfected at getting into it over and over again. But if we'll just say God needs me to help other people. Why would you go to church? Because I got a story I could help somebody else. So that's that place of testimony. Here's where it gets interesting. The book of Corinthians, Paul, talking about the church. Next scripture. I can hardly believe the report that there's sexual immorality going on among you. So in other words, Paul's talking to this church. He says, dude, man, you guys are perverted. Like, y'all, y'all say you're Christians and you're in a church, but man, y'all shacking up with everybody. Because by this time, they had gotten religious, but not much power. They were good to go sing the songs, hear the scriptures read, but when it's over, dude, I just do what I want to do. So he comes and he says to this church of Corinth, I can't believe the report I've heard about the sexual immorality going on and just so how kind he is. It's so bad, it shocks the people in the world. Like, that's an amazing thing. This body of Christ is supposed to be different, but they're not different. They're worse off than people who don't even believe. So what we do know is we can be the church and and worse off than than the YMCA. YMCA. So he says, well, here's how bad you are. You're just sexually immoral. You just sleep with whoever you wanna sleep. You do church, you do religion, you live any way you want. YOLO, love you Jesus. But dude, you got a guy, and here's how we know they were from the South. You got a guy in your church sleeping with his mom-in-law. Ugh! You're shacking up with your mother-in-law. Either she's really hot or you're really dumb. I don't know. But Paul speaks to him and says, what's your problem? You've got a man in your church sleeping with his mother-in-law. And then he says, you're proud of this. You should be sorry for this. In other words, you've turned into a religious group of people that you don't even care what kind of testimony you have. You live any way you want to live and claim you love Jesus. You do anything you want to do and claim Jesus loves me too. And Paul steps in and says, man, this can't be. And then he does something profoundly hurtful. Boot him out. How dare you boot me out? Who do you think you are? You think you're better than me? You think you don't got any problems? I mean, I can imagine what the guy's thinking. I can probably tell you 10 other people that are sleeping with people in this church. You want to kick me out? Next verse. This is where it gets interesting. Not should we kick you out or not. Because if, if we followed that, most of us would be gone today. And Gene and June would still be here. <laughs> Mostly people over 70 would still be here. <clears throat> the rest of us would be at Monterey. What you here for? We got kicked out. Well, why is the preacher here? He got kicked out too. We all got kicked Well, why did they kick the preacher out? Yeah, because he watched Spider-Man. <laughs> so throw this man out. And here's where it gets interesting because this is not how we think, but it's how God thinks about his people. And hand him over to Satan so his sinful nature will be destroyed. In other words... If I can get you outside the church, you're a sitting duck for the powers of hell. If I can get you separate from God's people, I can overcome you. But as long as you're with God's people, according to what Jesus said, I can't overcome you. The only way I could overcome you is to disengage you from God's people to cause you to feel like you're alone, to cause you to hate church, to cause you to have a 9,000 excuses of why you can't go, to separate you from the body of Christ, because if I can separate you from His people, yeah, you become a sitting duck for me. And I can overcome you. So when we read this, that, that there is a protection, this is weird, that there is a protection of God given to those who find themselves fellowshipping with other believers. Yeah. God watches over us. We're his kids. We're protected. I know that sounds weird, and I'm not just talking about this building. I'm talking about any Christians that gather together under the banner of faith in Jesus Christ. The enemy has no right to them, no claim over them. It's only in our bitterness and our hurt where we leave, we get mad, we sit at home, we wonder why nothing goes my way, because when you separate yourself from God's people, you're a sitting duck for hell to have its way. Here's the thought. The church is a spiritual haven. It's a place of life, protection, and supernatural help in the middle of spiritual battles. The best way I could define it, it's like when, years ago when I played Kick the Can, that old game, it's home base. It's a place when you kicked it and started running that you had to get back to home. If they, if they tagged you before you got home, eh, you're it. But if you could get home, man, you're safe. Sometimes it was a tree. Sometimes it was the bumper of a car. The church is the same thing in the spiritual battle. It's the home base. It's the place where the enemy has no right, no power, or no privilege over you. And here's the thing that has to shift. The thing that has to shift is not that everything I gave you is in the Bible, in in a verse out of the Bible, or Scripture from the Bible. It's that most of God's people get more excited about Superman, Spider-Man, and Batman and the Matrix and just blown away. Oh, my God, Spider-Man, spoiler alert. Three Spider-Man showed back up. Oh, my God, from every metaverse, all of them are together. Oh, God, is the best Spider-Man ever. Marvel knocked a home run. Oh, and the sand guy. Oh, and the lizard guy. Oh, they're all back. Oh, and then a preacher stands up and says, hey, the church has power. I don't know about that. <laughs> wait Wait a minute. You you spent $42 to get buttered popcorn, milk duds, and a Diet Coke to watch Spider-Man, to watch The Matrix, to come out going, I think we probably live in The Matrix. I mean, you don't ever criticize Batman. They, They shoot a thousand bullets at Batman. It never even hurts him. And I always say, all I got to do is just shoot him in the nose because it's the only part that's not covered. Nobody ever shoots Batman in the nose. Nobody. And you're just like, oh, Batman, man, nobody can kill Batman. And then you come to church and a preacher says, hey, we all kind of got power here that can shift the other worlds to make things happen in this world. I don't know about that. That seems too far-fetched. It's easier for me to believe that a guy in red pajamas can float around and take things than it is to believe we have power. It's easier to believe to me that we're all hooked up to pods in some other world living in a non-reality that's really reality than it is to believe what you just said about the church. I mean, that's kind of where we are. That's literally sort of like where we are. Like Marvel is more real to me than the very reality that should be real to me. And I just woke up this week and thought, I don't want to die that way. I, I don't want to spend my energy... Being a dead, lifeless, religious group of people. I'd rather say, God, correct me where I need to be corrected, change what needs to be changed, let me think how I need to think. And this is what I'm asking you to shift. Will you shift the way you think about church? Will you stop thinking it's just a religious gathering that if you go six times this year, God's proud of you? Will you, will you shift? the skepticisms and the excuses and the hurts we've all been hurt disappointed and have a myriad of excuses but could we believe for a moment that what jesus said about it is really true and could we start 2022 believing that every time we come in the doors and we say let us pray that we believe the moment we pray heaven starts going all right we got to do something And lives will be healed and chains will be broken and doors will be opened. And God will do things that will blow our mind as we listen to testimonies of what He's doing. And that's what I've prayed for myself. That's what I've prayed for us as a church. That 2022 would be a year where we would really believe whatever Jesus has said. We're going to live like it's true. And if we have to repent and change, we'll do so. And if we're falling short, we'll get back to where we need to be. And if we realize we're so far, we'll bring ourselves back to whatever Jesus says. If we're going to claim to be his kids, then let's live what he says we're going to live. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? I hope that blessed you. As you stand, let me give you the conclusion. (coughs) Renew your thinking about the church. And don't let excuses of skepticism, hurt, disappointment rob you of the supernatural help awaiting you.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at Amen at MyBelieversChurch.com Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.